0: Hello everyone and welcome once again to Ultimate Motorcycling's weekly podcast Motos and Friends. My name is Arthur Coldwells. The Yamaha name stands for a heritage of motorcycle performance and classic styling. Visit your local dealer to find the 2023 Yamaha Sport Heritage Bike for you or go to yamahamotorsports.com to find out more. This week, Associate Editor Kelly Callan rides the new Honda SCL 500. This Neo Scrambler is, essentially, a freshly styled model using Honda's tried-and-true parallel twin motor. This is inexpensive motorcycling on a cool-looking bike. Kelly tells us whether the Scrambler is actually worthy of the Honda brand name. In our second segment, I get to chat with one of my buddies, Fast Frankie Garcia. Riding for the highly professional saddlemen bagger racing team, Frankie got his first motorcycle, literally, since before he could walk. Now he's racing in the sensational Moto America Mission King of the Bagger series. And in the first race, he finished on the podium. Frankie's story, with its ups and downs, tells the story of what it's like to try and earn a living from motorcycle racing. And if you're curious as to what it takes to get a racing bagger onto the grid, what helps make them so fast, and what it's like to actually ride one, then you're going to enjoy hearing what Frankie has to say. So, from all of us here at Ultimate Motorcycling, we hope you enjoyed this episode. The Yamaha name stands for a heritage of motorcycle performance at Classic Styling. Visit your local dealer to find the 2023 Yamaha Sport Heritage bike for you like the Yamaha Bolt R-Spec that features a torquey V-twin engine combining old-school soul and modern form. Or the XSR900 where timeless design meets the sheer power of a CP3 power plant and is the rebirth of a legend. The XSR700 is built to be customized with modern classic looks and cross-plane concept twin performance. And the light and nimble V-Star 250 is built for fun with a V-twin engine and a low seat height for easy handling. For all things Yamaha Sport Heritage, visit yamahamotorsports.com or see the Bolt R-Spec XSR900, XSR700 or the V-Star 250 at your local dealer today. So we're going to be talking about the 2023 Honda SCL500. Is this actually known as the Scrambler or is that just our little uh, nickname there?
1: Well, I I think Honda calls it Scrambler styling, but it's, because it's not really Scrambler, but they're going for that that look. It's like a Neo Scrambler look. They pull that off pretty well. You know, it's, the muffler is up, but the pipe goes, you know, down and under. So there's, you're not going to take it off road because there's no protection really for, for the pipes.
0: Right. But it's definitely got that, that look it's got that sort of slightly, you know, Mad Max kind of, uh, you know, it's obviously all about just styling, I, I, I won't call it an ADV look, but it's got that sort of pseudo off-road kind of look a little bit, which is very cool actually.
1: Yeah, it is, it is, and it's, it's super fun to ride.
0: So what motor is in it?
1: It's a 471cc uh, parallel twin, same motor as the Rebel, the Rebel 500 same motor that's in that that whole 500 twin line
0: is it quite sort of peppy i mean it's got some it's a twin so it must have some decent torque i would have thought
1: yeah it has it actually has a, a lot of torque relatively speaking for that size bike and but it is it's it's almost a square engine anyway so it is peppy and but it has lots of pull and that's what makes it really fun and easy for sort of more novice riders because right you know pulling off curb is really simple you know you've got some pull anybody who wants to take it out into the hills and really twist the throttle more it's responsive so you can have fun with it
0: i assume it has sort of fairly minimal electronic aids on it it probably does it have power modes or anything like that
1: nothing like that just keep keeping it real simple
0: okay yeah that's that's great so, presumably, the price is pretty uh, commensurate with that, isn't it?
1: It's a great price, um, $6,799. $6, so, like, $6,800, bucks, you are getting um, a bike that you could commute with if you wanted to. I mean, it is freeway capable, but that's not where you're probably going to spend most of your time. But that is a great price to me for what you're getting really capable bike and lots of fun.
0: Was there anything that you sort of particularly liked about it? Was there something that really stood out?
1: Yeah, handling was really, really nice. Uh, It's neutral. It's friendly. It's not going to scare newer riders. But as I said, it has enough, enough spunk to it, though, that if you twist the throttle, you can have fun. Again, it's one of those kind of I want to say small because, you know, we're we're talking midsize here, at least on the small end of midsize. It's one of those bikes where if you ride it hard, it will it, it's really fun because you can really twist the throttle. And it is peppy. And like I had a ton of fun. Nothing is going to scare anybody on here. It's not too quick. Like it's not too quick handling, but it is responsive. You know, where you direct it, it's, it's going to go and it's, it's not hard to turn uh, to change direction. It's a lot of fun when you take it into like twisty, twisty roads, because you can kind of ride hard into turns, get on the brakes hard, brakes are really good, we'll talk about that, um, and then accelerate hard out of it. So you kind of feel like you're racing around, you're not going that fast, but it delivers that that feel. So it's, it's pretty athletic little bike.
0: Yeah, I would guess that. I mean, looking at a couple of the pictures of you, there's one picture you're carrying really quite a lot of lean angle. So clearly, there's a lot of confidence. I take it the suspension really probably has very little adjustment other than preload?
1: Exactly. Preload in the back. Um, And of course, this is kind of bike with that bench seat that you're probably going to be putting somebody on the back. It just looks friendly, like, hey, come on, let's go somewhere. Um, So, you know, adjustment. The suspension is pretty well dialed, though. It's firm enough. Like I said, when you are trying to ride it in the hills and be kind of quick about it, it feels completely stable. You you know, if you dive into turns, it's not like, and get hard on the brakes, it's not like it dives, you know, it holds firm. Around town, um, it absorbs pretty much, you know, all the usual road conditions that you would expect. It's not like it's a plush ride, it's not, but it's comfortable. So the tires are really good too. I'll I'll mention that since I'm talking about going through the hills. Um I thought the tires were impressive. Uh, so it has the Dunlop Trailmax mixed tour tires, which is an adventure tire. And and what's what I like about it also just from a visual is it kind of has that well, it's an adventure pattern on it, which adds a ask esque look. Um, but it does really good on the road for a variety of conditions. So around town in the hills when we when I in the hills when there were some really nice asphalt um lots of grip so it was pretty confidence inspiring it has 19 in the front and 17 in the back so a little bit of that scrambler look
0: but that also means with those sizes there's going to be quite a lot of tire choices available you know when it's time to put new tires on so you don't have to stick with those if you don't want to but absolutely yeah it's a really good looking little bike presumably the uh the fuel consumption is really excellent on it. <laughs> Must be a sipper, I should think.
1: It's pretty good. It's pretty good. The tank is 3.2, you maybe get 60 miles per gallon, something like that. Um, so between 150, 200 maybe. Oh, that's great. And even though the bike is comfortable enough that, to me, you could go for hours on it, really. Um, I don't know that most people are really gonna use the bike that way, But but who knows?
0: Right. So you wanted to talk about the brakes. You were you were really impressed with those?
1: Yeah, I was. There's It's just a single disc up front, 310, I believe. Yes, yeah, it's a 310 millimeter up front. The bike's not that heavy, though. It's 419 pounds. So I was impressed that, you know, I could get hard on the brake. And first off, the, the initial engagement was appropriate. You know, it, it wasn't biting, anything like that. So right. we were right gonna like scare themselves if they grab it. It's a kind of a soft initial engagement, but if you just really squeeze it hard, it really delivers. So, you know, it made it fun to just charge in into turns, get hard on the brakes, and they were perfect. Also, ABS is stock, so that's kind of a nice thing. Oh, that's very good, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, LED lights, you know, they've got the nice big round headlights, so it looks, I mean, the part, but it's it's LED. And that works. That's really good. The dash is LCD. It's got basic info on it, but it reads nicely. It's nice and clear. Uh, It's digital, um, but that's easy to read. Even if it's not as you know retro as you might like, that's okay. Speed gear indicator. I always like that. Um, The time of day, fuel, fuel gauge, and then you can scroll through trip meters and. Fuel consumption. I think they they uh, they also give you average fuel consumption, so it's nice to be able to watch that if you if you wanted to do that.
0: Yeah. So I suppose, really, the 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 final thing really is ergonomically. It looks like it it might be comfortable. Were you were you pretty comfortable on it?
1: Yeah, totally, totally impressed. The seats is great. Um, the seat height is about thirty one inches, which I guess it's a good balance. You know, it's not low slung like the Rebel, which is what the, the the engine's from, and the frame. It's not like that, but, you know, it's not a cruiser. This is supposed to be like scrambler look. So it's going to have more of the, a little bit taller wheel travel. So, you know, you've got 31 inches on the seat. You can, if you've got longer legs, you can put an accessory seat on there. They have one that gives you a little bit over an inch so for longer legged people, you're sitting completely upright on the bike, handlebars are kind of wide. Um, in terms of, you know, your seating position, position, it's really comfortable and the seat itself is nice. Um, the, the taller seat is brown for one thing. <laughs> no, no choices on color there, but you get, you get a brown seat and that one is firmer than the stock seat. But I found the stock seat to be really, really comfortable and because it's a bench seat, you can kind of move about if you wanna shift, you know, forward or back a bit.
0: I noticed that it's got things like um, rubber inserts on the foot pegs, but the, from memory from riding the Rebel, it was a pretty smooth motor. Is, is there any real vibration or anything that comes from it?
1: I did not notice any vibration at all um, okay. at any RPM. I will also say, it just kind of triggered my me thinking about, I mentioned earlier, it's freeway capable. So I was on the freeway, probably got it up almost to the mid 80s. No vibration, no vibration in the mirror either, which is one of my little pet peeves. <laughs> the, the mirrors are really sharp, you know, really nicely placed. You're not seeing your shoulders. You're seeing what you want to see behind you. And they're sharp. And the bike, as I don't know if I mentioned, yeah, the bike's really stable on the freeway. So and surprisingly, surprisingly, with that wide stance and no kind of cowling or anything to send the wind over your helmet, I didn't get any kind of wind blast, which I don't understand how that works, but that was surprising. So,
0: right. It's probably the riding position because you're really quite seated down, I think, in, in the bike. Um, and so that instrument panel and the headlight probably pushed quite a lot of wind blast up over you.
1: Yeah, I so I, yeah, it would, it would, definitely freeway. Yeah, like if you want to commute and you had stretches on the freeway, it's not uncomfortable at all, and it feels totally planted. So, I enjoyed it at every speed I rode it at, actually.
0: It's a, it's a really inexpensive motorcycle, but obviously with Honda's fit and finish to it.
1: Exactly, the thing is with the Hondas, you know it's going to be reliable and doesn't have you know vibration shifts the transmission is spot on
0: yeah just user friendly I mean depending on who but would a a sort of a novice be comfortable on something like
1: this oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely okay that's one of the really nice features of the bike is that it's it's non-intimidating um as long as as i said you've got the 31 inch seat height so for some people that might be a little much but for us it's not bad um the engine is friendly because it's got the torque and so forth it's easy to get going um transmission is spot on Shifting's not a problem brakes are great so yeah i think a um an you know less experienced rider is not is going to really be drawn to it i think especially when people People go into a show into you know their Honda dealer. First off, it kind of looks welcoming. That just that classic look, you know, has a welcoming vibe to it. Especially with the bench seat, you just kind of want to go over and sit on it. You got you know, right? are up there, and it's it's really comfortable. And the personality of the bike is exactly as it looks. So, yeah, I think it'll it'll find a good audience with uh, less experienced riders.
0: Sure. And it's it's a full size motorcycle, you know, it's got good road presence to it. So, you know, so it actually looks like there's some substance to it. So even though it's, you know, it's an inexpensive, affordable bike, it, there's something to it. It looks looks really good.
1: Yeah, exactly. And as I said, even if you're quite an experienced rider, it's a fun bike. A lot of, a lot
0: of- <laughs>
1: bikes, they just are.
0: Small bikes are fun. Yeah. <laughs>
1: As you said, if it's um, it has a presence and it has substance to it and it's it's capable of doing a lot of things.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a really um, viable alternative to the Rebel. If you want more of a cruiser, you get the Rebel 500 if you want something with a you know different styling. So there's probably a lot of people that are attracted to the Rebel 500 initially, but they don't want a cruiser. They want a more conventional motorcycle, what I would call a conventional motorcycle and this obviously is is probably perfectly fits that bill.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I've I've ridden the rebel the rebel is a great bike, but as you said it's all about how you see yourself on a bike. And so sure. if you're if the cruiser vibe's not your thing, but the the scrambler the neo scrambler look is which it seems to be really popular, how can it not be? It's a classic. Um and and I'm drawn to that. I I like that.
0: I have to say, I am too. I, I like that, you know that that. Uh, and I'm totally not an off road rider. I mean, you're a ex- very experienced off road rider. I'm absolutely not, but I'm certainly quite happy to fake it on the street. So it would be great. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, that's what I I I really like about the look of it. You know, it's just like adventure bikes in general. It's like a lot of sure. you'd really heavily toward the street. It's like okay, you're not really going to take that bike off the road, but the look is cool. So feel like this with with the scl 500 that's it it's like they're not really fooling anybody that's going to go off road we don't have wire wheels we don't have any kind of knobbies on it but it kind of looks the part and that's it, it gives you that feeling so it, it does it well
0: yeah it does yeah it looks cool got a little, maybe a little bit of a retro thing happening it just looks really cool good job by honda yeah
1: yeah absolutely and they have they have accessories of course so if you want to skew it more a little bit more toward the off-road look you can add they've got hand guards um, an uh, auxiliary plastic fender high fender and um a, a little headlight cowling kind of give it, giving it more of the dual sport or off-road look or if you don't want to do that if you're going to carry stuff and be more practical you know there's a saddle bag left side only I think which looks really kind of cool um, and a carrier top box. There's various things you can do with it. So yeah,
0: all right. Well, thank you. It sounds like a really fun little bike that that uh, sort of checks a lot of boxes, and it's cheap, which I think is what a lot of people are looking for.
1: Yeah, the inexpensive price, and it's a Honda.
0: Exactly. There's lots of cheap bikes out there, but to get a Honda for that kind of price, I think it's 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 a yeah, that's great, awesome.
1: Uh, and one last thing, I'll say, it does come in two colors. Candy orange, which is cool. It's kind of like a gumball orange color. And the other one is called matte laurel green, which is kind of olive, not really camo green, but it's nice looking too. They're both really, they did a good job. Looks good.
0: Yeah. Excellent. All right. That's absolutely terrific. Well, thank
1: you, Kelly. Well, you're welcome. I enjoyed writing it a lot. It was a lot of fun to test. Terrific. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah. All right. Bye.
0: In our second segment, I get to chat with one of my buddies, Fast Frankie Garcia. Riding for the highly professional Saddlemen Bagger Racing team, Frankie got his first motorcycle, literally, since before he could walk. Now he's racing in the sensational Moto America Mission King of the Bagger series. And in the first race, he finished on the podium. Frankie's story, with its ups and downs, tells the story of what it's like to try and earn a living from motorcycle racing. And if you're curious as to what it takes to get a racing bagger onto the grid, what helps make them so fast, and what it's like to actually ride one, then you're going to enjoy hearing what Frankie has to say. Shoebirth Helmets. Head protection technology made in Germany. The new Schuberth E2 launches this month. It's like a C5 with a new peak visor, increased ventilation with a new chin air intake and a larger rear exhaust spoiler. It's got the same features of the C5 including a revised fit with customizable inner pads for comfort, increased safety with new EPS material and anti-roll-off system, and it's pre-wired for the new SC2 communication system offering mesh by Senna. It's also got a locking mechanism to hold your chin bar open. Learn more about all the new features at Shoebirth.com. The new ShoeBirth E2, endless adventure.
2: I started racing when I was four years old. So my dad was a a flat track racer Freshshore flat track racer from you know Central Coast Salinas California, um you know where it's big you know that's where the Ricky Graham and the Doug Chandler's and the you know they, all those guys are from that area and they always say there's something in the water over here that makes a fast flat tracker and so uh yeah that's where I'm from that's where my dad was born and raised just south of Salinas and you know grew up riding motorcycles riding mini bikes and started racing flat track and then. So as he got older he still raced professionally and then I came along and uh for my first birthday uh my mom and dad got me a PW50. And so they were wasting absolutely no time. Uh you know dad was dad was really into bikes. He was racing, he was building bikes, he was working on bikes. He did um he did ported heads for uh, a bunch of bunch of racers and was doing a bunch of stuff for Ron Wood at, from Wood Road Tax. And uh, yeah, my dad had a had a business, Garcia Racing Heads, and he was porting heads for a bunch of guys and uh, and had a road tax himself. And and but yeah, when I came along it was his first birthday, wasted no time and they got me a <laughs> PW50 and um you know by two I was I was riding and by four we were going to Lodi and and racing and and it never stopped from there like once it started it i felt like like when you when people ask me what is your number one like what do you when you, you look back at your childhood what's one thing you remember and one thing that always comes to mind that i'll never forget that i'll never leave my brain is lodi we spent so much time there every weekend just racing and but that's where it all started you know it started on a pw50 at lodi and then you know, my three years later, my brother came along and he was racing. And then three years after that, my sister came along and she was even racing. And so, you know, by you know by the time I was eleven, ten, eleven, you know, um, you know, we were all going to the
0: race, going to the races as a family, and you know, that's what we did. That's awesome! What a just a, like an idyllic childhood. I mean that spoke about fun. Yeah. I think like I mean when I was young, that's
2: just kind of that was what my mom and dad did. My mom and dad traveled to the races and they did that together. And then when I came along, it was just they just continued to do it just with me. And my dad also kept racing too. My dad still races to this day. Um but yeah, that's just I mean, as a kid, like I didn't I didn't know I just thought is what we did. Like, this is, oh, this is fun. We get to go ride motorcycles, like going to the races again. That's just what we did. It was just normal to me. And I don't, it wasn't until I was like, I don't know. I was probably 11 or 12 and there was a MotoGP race on. And I remember it was at our, at our old house when I was, we lived in one house when I was a kid and then we moved to another one, but it was at our first house. And I was still young when we lived there. And I just remember, I remember it so like, just like it was yesterday, but there was a MotoGP race on TV. My dad put a MotoGP race on TV and, and it was either a MotoGP race or a world super bike race. It was in Europe, but I remember watching the race and I, and I, and I didn't like the racing was cool. Obviously I like racing motorcycles was awesome. That's what I did. And, and, but I just remember seeing all the fans and I went. (laughs) and it was road racing and road racing was like i knew doug chandler and i knew that's what doug chandler did and i knew laguna seca and that's what they did at laguna seca but i was never like really introduced to road racing other than that but i remember watching this this european road race whether it was MotoGP gp or world superbike and i was just like there's a lot of people there the that must be cool like that must be the thing to do yeah and, and then ever since then i was like i want a road race and so that's where that kind of came along
0: and and how old were you then you must mean what probably in your teens i should think i was probably like 11 or 12 when i it was yeah it was it was i was
2: pretty young still but like i just we just going to lodi and Stockton, and you know doing local flat track races in in salinas and king city and and I just knew dirt track. That's all I knew, and and motocross, obviously, and but I'd never. I wasn't really introduced to road racing, other than you know, Lagu- Lagu- knowing it came to Laguna Seca once a year, and but but I saw that I saw that race, and I just saw the fans, and I was like, well, that must be the thing to do, because a lot of people
0: think it's cool, so I wanted a road race ever since that. Right. So then you started with your parents, like, I want to get a road race bike, and they're like. Ugh. Oh, uh,
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz we knew nothing about it. Like my dad never road raced. My dad was never an asphalt guy and we knew nothing about it and and luckily like right at that time, they had this little thing called AMA Supermoto come to the United <laughs> States. And it was right about that same time and they did that first race at um Laguna Seca. They did that very first like 2 I think it was 2003. Uh, AMA Supermoto race at Laguna Seca, and Honda did this Red Riders Junior Supermoto Challenge, where they got a bunch of kids, and you had to like apply for it, send in your report cards, you had to have good grades, and and that came along, and at the time, um, this 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 gentleman by the name of Rod Lake was helping me out, and I was riding one of his bikes that he built. And he was like, Hey, we got to put some slicks on this thing and get you on the asphalt and get some practice and, and then get you in this red riders, junior supermoto thing. So that's what we did. And we went to that and that was like a stepping stone of learning asphalt, but it was, you know, it was still a dirt bike. It was still what I knew, but I could learn the asphalt and learn what that was. So luckily, like I didn't go straight directly from dirt track to road racing. There was, you know, Supermoto in between, and I spent some years doing that. Um, I think I, I rode Supermoto for a couple years, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I, we knew I wanted to go road racing. That was, we knew that that was a thing.
1: Right. We just
2: didn't know how. And we were we were going to the, the Supermoto races. We met some guys. Um, this guy by the name of Brian Whitlock, he's an old... Um, like AMA, uh, you know, Super Sport guy, privateer guy, but they were they were club dudes. They were road racers, and they were doing supermoto with us. And he goes, I guess he was telling my dad that he had this 600 for sale, GSXR. It was a 2001, and I I just came home from school one day, and it was just in the garage. My dad was like, Look, look what I got! Look what I got for you! And wow, so it was like this club bike. It was just this very, it was like you know, it was a race bike, it had the bodywork and the brakes and you know, the stuff, but it was like cl- full club bike. And that was my first road racer, it was an 01 GSX R600. And still, like this thing's sitting in the garage, and we still have no idea what we're doing, like we don't know anything. <laughs> and we're racing supermoto, and that got pretty serious. Were you winning at that point or? Yeah, so we were traveling down and racing to we were cuz there was no supermoto really um you know at the time there was there's they were doing some races in Stockton like Brock McAllister and the um Supermoto USA series up in Stockton but it was bigger in Southern California uh with Don Keane's Star series. Uh so yeah, so we were doing that series. So my dad was like getting off work on Fridays and pick, get off work early, picking us up from school, had the bikes all loaded up, and we would drive down to Southern California, get a hotel at 2 in the morning, and race Saturday, race Sunday, and then Sunday after the races, we'd go back home to Northern California, five, six hours, and you know go back to work, go back to school on Monday morning, and, and so we did that for quite some time, and uh, so we were doing that, and then we were racing more, like the NorCal series, we were kind of doing both of them, and I got on, You know, I was racing at 85. I got on to 250, um, and then, but I was still young. I was like, at that point, I was like 13, and um, I was racing at 85 and a 250. And then, um, you know, that about that time was when we got the road racer, but we still didn't know what we were doing. And we we went to a track day, and we didn't know like, as like a dirt tracker, you go to a motocross track, like you just show up and you go to the gate and you pay the money and you, you go ride we didn't know that you had to sign up ahead of time and it fills up. And so we show up to this track day at Buttonwillow, like not knowing anything. And (laughs) they were like, no, you have to sign up beforehand. Like we're full, but since you didn't know, like, we'll let you sign up and ride. So that was my first track day.
0: So they say, we'll probably start you off in C group and see how you do. Yeah.
2: Okay. And I remember being so nervous, like, you know, I go from riding these dirt bikes that weigh nothing. And, and, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was racing, you know, the pro class on a two fifty at the local, you know, stars races, but still like road racing was a whole different beast. And, you know, my dad didn't have much, you know, he didn't, he never did it. So he didn't
0: have a lot of experience. We didn't know what we were doing. You must've been like, wow, this like so much grip. That must've been a completely foreign experience to you. Tons of grip. But then the it was the speed that's what got me,
2: and I remember my first track day. I was like, "Oh, am I get, am I gonna get my knee on the ground? Like, is it gonna feel weird? Like, I don't even know what this is gonna be like." I had only ridden the the GSXR up and down the street, like in front of the house. That was it. <laughs> so I was like, I had no idea what I was in for, and we didn't know a lot of people. Like road racing was so foreign to us, and the people, and it was just a whole different group of people. It wasn't like people were road racing and riding supermoto just a whole different group of people and but i I remember it was the speed and it took me a really long time like when i did my first track day i was like okay i thought this was gonna be cool but i actually hate this like this is this scary this sucks and and i remember i was like really forward like with my dad and my mom and i was like i don't know if this i like i don't know if this is it like this is gnarly and (laughs) so we kept doing track days and i kept learning and we were meeting people, and obviously, you know, there were some people who knew who I was from Supermoto, because I was doing so much of that racing, and then I did, you know, X Games in 2006, when I was 15, Mm -hmm. Um, and so people knew who I was, and people, like, they saw the potential, and they saw, like, this young kid's, like, riding pretty good, so people were helping me out, and there was coaches, and and so I, 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 I don't want to say I quickly acclimated. kind of got the hang of it. Yeah. It, it took, it took a little bit, like it took a long, it took a, a bit longer than I ever anticipated it would, or, or anybody else would believe it would. It, it took me a long time to be comfortable. And, right. uh, but we finally got there and it was all good. And, and uh, you know, I just started racing AFM and I was racing AFM and, and I did my first AFM race at Buttonwillow and, I remember I started like 82nd on the grid, and it was a one-wave start, my very <laughs> first road race, and and I remember going into turn one, and there was a massive pile up, and somebody's bike flew, you know, was bouncing right next to me, and I just, yeah, and then then I was back to being scared again, but we sorted it out, and but that's how it all got started.
0: Wow, wow, that's a that's yeah. awesome way to start though. So then. Like the crash in 2009 really just knocked a hole in knocked a hole in everybody's professional career and a whole generation just never got a chance to turn pro
2: yeah so like i i kept road racing and then i was had a lot of support from honda at the time i was racing supermoto i was racing the ama supermoto series i just did x games in 06 and then i raced the 250 lights class in 07 and then I was road racing WERA, AFM, WSMC, everything I could get to in between um, all of these, all of these uh, supermoto, the AMA Supermoto Series races. And so we were doing that. And then in 2008, I was ex- turned expert. I was still a novice in 2007, 2008. I turned expert, and I was just doing a bunch of track days and riding. I mean, I was doing two, three track days a week. It seemed like, and then, um, I was traveling around with one of the, uh, one of the tire vendors and the, the deal was like, if you help change tires in the morning during the big rush, you can ride all the rest of the day. So my bike lived in the trailer and I changed tires in the morning and I would ride the rest of the day and I would just, and I would pull like good takeoffs out of the piles and I would save them. So I had this stack of tires that I could use during the week. And I'd throw those on a wear a tire out, throw one on, throw a rear on, and I just ride, 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 and I got fast that year really quick just because of the amount of riding I was doing right and by the end of the season, I was winning a f m races um you know i it was like myself, Garrett willis uh Bobier was racing a little bit, he'd show up every now and then, he was a little bit younger um but I mean we were like there was a, a handful of us that were doing awesome and that we're like okay next year is like you know 2009 was like okay that's when we're going to go and and at that same so the economy crashed and then that same year also DMG took over right and then there was a, a Dunlop tire rule and at the time I was riding for Pirelli so all of a sudden it was like Okay, now I'm gonna have to pay for tires because there's I don't have a you know the Pirelli deal is not gonna do me any good. And then I had a VP fuel deal. Then they had and then DMG was Sunoco fuel, so that was another thing. And and then all the all the Honda stuff went away. All the contingency went away. The support went away. Like they just completely got rid of all that. Just shut down. Yeah. So then it was like, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Like we, we can't do this. Like I mean, and like. I was doing all this riding and racing and like, I was getting help from like, you know, I, luckily I had help from, from tire, the tire vendor and they were, they were helping me out. Chris McGuire um, from, from Northern California there. Um, and, and, you know, it, we were just, my, my mom and dad, like we're just, we're, they're middle-class humans. You know, we didn't have a ton of money. Like we could, I could have never done this without, all the support I've had from everybody throughout the years and everybody believing in me. And so, yeah, when all this went, when all that went down, it was like, well, we, we can't afford this. And I don't expect anybody else to be able to afford this. Like the economy just didn't crash for us. It crashed for everybody. Yeah. And tell me about, so, it. so, yeah. So I'd like tried doing some stuff and it just, it it didn't make sense. And, and, you know, it just cost money. I, you weren't, I wasn't making money. And at this time, I'm, you know, 18 years old. I'm an adult and I'm freaking out about like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I thought I was going to be a motorcycle racer. (laughs) And uh, so I tried to do it for a little bit. It wasn't working. And I was like trying to kind of find myself. And, you know, just shortly after that, I realized like there's no way this is going to happen. Like it just, there's no support. There's no help. There's no, there's no money. And it doesn't make sense. So I started kind of looking for, uh uh, kind of a different path and i was friends with adam Wahid and ken hutchinson from motorcycle usa at the time and i had done some like testing for them and came and did you know some shootouts and stuff and and i i wanted to i wanted to be a journalist like if i couldn't race motorcycles i i wanted to be able to ride motorcycles and i always liked writing
0: Oh, you you don't want to be a journalist, Frank. There's even less money in that than there is in racing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what so many people were
2: telling me, but I was like, at the time, it was it, it wasn't. It was it was like, well, there's I can still ride motorcycles and do all this cool stuff, but I got to work for it. And uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I started.
2: I started shortly after that, like I started working for Motorcycle USA, and I was 19 years old or 19 or 20 making I remember my my first my first like when I first signed with Motorcycle USA it was $24,000 a year and no. I moved away from home and I moved to or <laughs> I moved to Orange I came to Orange County to get this job and I was working with Adam Wahid, and they they hired me on for $24,000 a year and at the time I was like this is crazy you mean every other week I'm gonna get this check and it's just gonna <laughs> go right to my bank account and like twenty four thousand dollars a year right now. I, you know, I've spent that in a month at this point in my life. But you know, <laughs> back then I was like, I'm gonna live off this, no problem. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I moved to Southern California and I and I did that. Like, and I was happy as could be, and I was going to all these shootouts and doing all these tests and flying in and doing these events, and I enjoyed it. I had so much fun, and those guys taught me a lot. I worked there, and then Cycle News merged with uh motorcycle usa so then paul Cruthers came in and paul really took me under his wing and taught me a lot and he taught me not only how to be a better writer and how to you know do my job better but he also like kind of took me under his wing and like taught me business
0: and professionalism oh well i could do with contacting him maybe he could teach me some of that (laughs) he's good for it he's good for it Right, i'll contact him
2: yeah yeah (laughs) So Paul really like really kind of set me straight. Not that I needed to be set straight, but he really like, Hey, I'm going to lead you in the right direction here. And so, yeah, he, he kind of did that. And, and um, Justin Dawes knew they were, you know, these are my coworkers and Justin Dawes heard they were hiring for a um, PR coordinator at Suzuki. And he goes, dude, I think you'd be really good at this job. And he goes, I know you don't make a lot of money here at all. And he goes, you can really make probably double what you're making here over there. And you're like double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I apply for it and I go to interviews and I end up getting the job and, and I tell Paul and I, and I, and I was, and I was, I was like, you know, I was really bummed because I didn't want to leave Paul. Cause Paul really like, he was really guiding me. Right, and, right. and Paul was like, no dude, like this is, this is what I want for you. And I was super, I remember I was really afraid to tell him. I didn't want him to be disappointed, disappointed in me that I was leaving. And he goes, no, not at all. He's like, this is what I want for you. He's like, this is why I teach you the things and guide you because I want you to better yourself. And so that was really cool. And then they, they supported me. And so
0: I went over, I jumped the fence from journalist to PR guy. And that's about when I met you, I think. Yeah, yeah. When you started there at Suzuki. And I was like, he seems like a cool kid. You know, this is going to be great. I was young, I was young, and the, the the PR manager at the
2: time lived in Atlanta, Georgia, so it was just, I was running the show over here, um, you know, doing all the stuff, so it was a lot of work, and I was, I think I was like, I was like 23 or 24, I was young when I was, when I was, when they hired me, and it was a big boy job, you know, every other manufacturer, because I knew all those guys, I knew all the PR guys from all the manufacturers, and they were all guys I looked up to, you know, it was like, you know, Bill Savino at Honda and sure. uh, Tim Olson was at Yamaha. So yeah. it was all those guys that I like really looked up to. And like, those were, those were the big dogs. And then I, all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm in that position now. Like, wow, wow this is crazy. I'm still a child.
0: <laughs> and, uh, were you really sort of missing racing at this point or, I mean, had you just completely stopped or, or were you still um, racing a bit? At that point, so in
2: 2012, um, I
0: raced the Daytona
2: 200. I got a call and um, from Mike Pond from Tune Industries, and he was like, hey, man, I got this bike. Like, You want to race the Daytona 200? And I was like, well, I haven't raced it a few years, but it's on the bucket list. So, I, yeah, let's do it. And I will all figure out how to make it
0: happen. Yeah, he's a good guy,
2: Mike. I like him. Yeah, he is a great guy. Yeah. And, uh, so we did that and it was like, but it was, it was tough. You know, it was, oh yeah. I mean, I got thrown into the deep end on that one. It, that was my first professional race after not racing for three years. And then I just showed up to Daytona a track. I've never been to a bike that I had two days of testing on. I never rode an R6 and here we go racing the Daytona 200. And so we were right back in it. Dad was there on the and, banking. Yeah. Oh and yeah. Daytona. Oh yeah. Yep. So dad was there, the whole deal. Um, so that was 2012. I was working at Motorcycle USA still. Um, and then that year I did the West Coast round. So I raced uh I did Daytona and then I did Sonoma, Laguna and and Miller. And uh so that was like okay, I I got it out of the system and I was like, so I, I was still happy and obviously I still knew my place and that I had a job to do. And, you know, I, you, so you, you t- people tend to get excited in those situations. Like, I'm going to go racing again. And I knew that that wasn't an option. So, you know, came back and, you know, I started working at Suzuki. And then um, I was working at, at Suzuki, but then I was also working for Pirelli, um, the West Coast tire distributor, on the weekends going to the races. Corey Newer is a real good friend of mine. And he didn't have somebody to run Chuck Walla for him. So I was going out to Chuck Walla on the race weekends. It was like, you know, half the, you know, half the year was like one race a month. So it was doable. So I was doing that, you know, for him and, you know, everyone was like, you know, there's people out there and it was tough being there and not racing, but, you know, I was making money and I was, you know, being around, I was around bikes, what I love. So it was, it wasn't bad. And I rode a little bit, I'd take my leathers and someone always had a bike to ride. And, you know, I, I enjoyed myself or, you know, I'd take out one of the, one of the Uh, bikes in the fleet or something like that and um, I was doing um, there was this guy Andy Palmer that had all these SV650s that were like the badass SV650s race bikes and he was like hey man and Dustin Coiner had this bike it was his dad's and they built this bike and it had a ZX6 swing arm and rear wheel it had a GSXR600 front end on it it had, like, this billet crank. It ran on methanol. It made, like, 110 horsepower. And this thing was a rocket, and it was, it was built pretty nice. And they were like, hey, we got this bike. Like, you want to race it next weekend? And I was like, or the next round? And I was like, yeah, sure. That'll be cool. Like, Whatever. <laughs> a race bike. That thing's badass. Yeah, I want to ride it. And so I came out and just completely... Like, I, rode, I never, like, rode this thing. I rode the track day of the day before and came out to, to this race weekend and, and completely shattered the middleweight twins track record in in every class. And wow. so then it was like, a, hey, do you want to ride this bike the whole season? And I was like, yeah, this is fun. And that bike yeah. was so fun to ride because uh-huh. it was like a 600, but it had all this torque. So, right. Right. yeah, it was, it was pretty unreal so I raced that thing for a season and then we went around and we set track all the track records at, at, uh, at Chuck Walla that held until about, I think one of them in one direction still holds today. That was eight years ago, you know? And, but the, the, you know, the twins cup kids started going out there and they started beating my track records, but, um, (laughs) but that held for a long time. And then we were going to, we were just trying to set track records on, you know, middleweight twins track records. And so we did it. We went up to Sonoma, did it there. We went to Thunder Hill, did it there. We went to High Plains
0: and did it there. All that stuff is a lot, is a far cry from bagger
2: racing that you're now doing. Well, that was my introduction to twins. I'd never ridden a twin until then. Well, yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, all right. Okay, so the
0: B twins, but.
2: Yeah, that was like the, tw- and that's when I realized I was like, twins are cool because they got all this they got their they got all this power right but the torque just puts it to the ground right so we're like i rode i rode you know inline fours forever right and you know those things are a beast of their own like they just they got a mind of their own and they're snappy and the frames are you know the chassis are really twitchy on them and they're, they're race bikes you know and right and you know the engines are like you know they light up and you know sometimes they got a mind of their own and They'll do their own thing and spin up on you and try to spit you off. And but when I rode this this SV, I was like, whoa, twins are these are awesome. Like they've just put the power to the ground. And you could they're just monsters.
0: You got the feel at the throttle, I should think. Yeah. Not that I've ever raced a twin, but yeah.
2: Yeah. So that was that. And that so we did that and like that was cool. And then I didn't race for a little bit longer. And then 2017,
0: I was I started racing super hooligans and then yes I remember that Roland Sands started that didn't he and yes uh, down at Huntington Beach yeah yeah so
2: Roland started the Super Hooligan Series and it maybe went on for a year before and I was like eyeballing it and I remember I was like oh that's you know I got uh, I don't really know what's going on here but like this looks kind of cool and then Andy Debrino's racing it and you know I had a couple other friends racing it and so I was like "Ah." this might be something i want to do so i went to a couple races to kind of check it out and then ducati hit me up and they were like hey uh do you want to we have this scrambler like would you would you be cool with like building a hooligan bike out of it and and at the time they just wanted me to build this thing they wanted me to put some wheels on it tail section and i was like Oh okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, that'd be cool. Like, I, yeah, if I can't race bikes, I like building bikes. That's what we do. And so, you know, I built this Ducati Scrambler, and I built it right before I finished it up. Right before the the Moto, the very first Moto Beach Classic in Huntington Beach. Right. And they were like, "Hey, like you, you know, you built that thing. You know, there's a race. You, you want to race it?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> of course i want to race it i just built it like of course i want to race it i don't know that was an option so we uh, we tested a little bit and you know we figured it out and got some parts and and uh won race moto beach classic just for fun like just you know because
0: it was cool and it was a big thing and it's going to be a big race and I ended up winning the thing i remember that i was like and i didn't realize you were that serious of a racer i'm like holy crap the suzuki pr <laughs> kid has just won the I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Damn, <laughs> go, Frankie!" Yeah, yeah. It'd been a while. I hadn't hadn't ridden dirt track in years. And there was some good riders in that. I mean, you beat some. Oh, beat some fast guys. Joe Cop and yeah, Joe Cop, Andy Debrino. Like it was.
2: Yeah. The goal was just to make the main. That was my goal. <laughs> and you know, then I had we we qualified, and I had like I was like third fastest time, and then things started to change, and then it was like, okay get the we're gonna change gearing now like let's then it was then it got then it got really serious uh, in a hurry and, and then the grinder came out and then you know there's then there's then we're all working on the damn thing and it got it, it the whole dynamic of the day changed so fast um and uh you know we just went there for show and to just make the main and it was all good right and uh and you took it in yeah yeah so i, I won that thing it was and, impressive yeah that was i, I mean it kind of caught me off guard i didn't expect that out of myself but it was cool i had fun and like the whole the whole vibe of the day was cool and like then i was like this this super Bowl against thing is, is really awesome
1: yeah
2: and so you know whatever i go back to doing my thing and didn't think anything was going to come of it and then ducati wanted me to race it and they asked me to race the full season next the next year in 2018 and i i agreed to that and raced that and got some support from them and I got a motorhome and and for the next two seasons that's what I did I just I raced Super Bowl again and I figured out how to work a job and make some money and then make a little bit of money doing that as well and I had all the support and so yeah and I was back and I like I was fulfilled again I was like okay we're we're racing and I got support and this is awesome and so i did that and, and for a few years but then as i started getting older i was like you know what i gotta go i got i can't like i can't i'm not making i'm not making money i'm i'm making money to pay the bills and to do what i gotta do but i'm not putting money away right. and i'm getting older so I start, you start thinking about that stuff and my my mom and dad have always been really you know they've always been really real with me about like you know You can do all this stuff, but you're still going to be an adult and you still got to pay your bills. And, you know, you're going to want a family one day. And, you know, that's not going to happen if you're not putting money away. And, you know, they always were really real with me and just kind of, you know, made sure I knew what was going on. And and so I was like, you know what, you know, this is cool. And but I'm having a good time. And, you know, Ducati came out with a bike, the Scrambler. How old were you by then? You were still in your 20s. then. Maybe I was like 25, 26. Right. Okay. And you know, but if your 30's coming, 30's coming. Right. And I'm like, oh man, we gotta do something. So <laughs> I uh Ducati kind of, you know, it the support was there, but you know, they kind of backed off a little bit and we're like, Well, you got the bikes and all the stuff, like we'll give you some money to travel and do your thing. But and then I was like, Yeah, you know what, That's, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me as, as right. an adult human being and uh financial financially, so Um, I, I kind of put that away and was like, you know what I'm, I think I'm done with this and I'm going to go get a job and got a job at a power plant and you know, was was, I wasn't going to raise super hooligans. And then, so I had a full-time big boy job and I was working at a power plant. That's what my dad's done for the last 23 years. Right. And so, and I always was like, I always said, when I figure when I'm done with this, I'm going to go work at a power plant because my dad's worked at a power plant for 23 years. (sighs) or for 20 years, and, and I've never heard him complain about his job one time. Oh, really? And so I was like, yeah. So I was like, that's what I'm going to go do because it seems not that bad. Right. So I got a job at a power plant working for the same company as my dad, just at a different plant. And, uh, you know, I was like, here we go. You know, this is this is the next journey in life. Right. Being an adult. And so uh, I, I started working there, and then I was not going to raise super hooligans. Uh, Jordan Graham had left the indian team to go ride a ducati himself because he thought that i was i had so much success on it he wanted to ride one so he built one he went to go do that and so roland had a seat on an indian and he called me up he's like hey man you know i saw that you might have been done racing but i got this seat if you're interested i got a i got an indian for you to race and i remember telling him i was like look dude i you know i got a job now and I, I probably can't i can't take off all this work to travel and do all this stuff. he goes what if we just we what if we fly you in and we'll just, we'll just fly you back and you just fly for the weekend race it wasn't that many races it was like you know i think it was like six or seven races in the season and and i was like you know what i go yeah if you're that that's yeah i can still race I'm like yeah let's do it so signed me up on that that was 2020 or 2019 in the off season um going into 2020 so we went to portland for the first race and it was a, my first time racing the indian and i got fourth fourth place there so like it started out really well right and then we went to round 2 was in vegas and it was a quarter mile asphalt track and when we were in vegas that's when the that's when covid started oh. and i remember i remember that's when it was on the news and like at, right before that, we were like, "Oh, COVID! Like, oh, like they got it in China, like that the Chinese virus, and right. you know." But it didn't make it here, so it wasn't serious yet. And then, when we were in Vegas for that race, it was, you know, that's when it was like, "Oh, the first COVID person, you know, they got hit for the first time here in the United States." And that was we raced that weekend, and then the rest of the season got canceled. So that was that was that. It's twenty twenty where. We're in COVID and there's no races going on. So nothing's happened. I'm working at the power plant. That's it. That's all I'm doing. Is I've and and because it was, you know, the power plant job was an essential thing. I was still going to work five days a week. Nothing changed for me. Right. So so then I'm watching everybody's working from home and doing all this stuff. I'm still going to work. I'm not racing. And I'm like, oh man, this sucks. This is this really sucks. <laughs> and so I was just doing that for a little while, and then all of a sudden, this this whole bagger racing thing starts getting thrown around. Right. And, you know, there's all this talk of, like, you know, they're going to do this bagger race at Laguna Seca. And and when I thought about it at first, I'm like, oh, this is going to be, like, a silly thing. <laughs> like, you know, they're going to go out there and drag some floorboards and wear leathers while they do it, and it'll be funny. Like, it'll be, it'll be fun. I think we all thought that. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, even Roland thought that and i remember roland was like you know if he goes you know i'm not doing this we're not gonna do this This is this is stupid like this is gonna be a shit show he's like i'm not that's that's so dumb and so i was like oh okay like you know but in the back of my mind i was like well you know if he does do build do something or build a bike like i want to make sure that i'm the one riding it but yeah it's stupid (laughs) so um so like last minute you know Indians building this bike with S and S and, they, they, I mean, it had to have been just a couple months, two, three months before the actual race and, and Roland, Roland goes, Hey, you know, they, they want us to build Indian wants us to, me to build a bagger or do this, do this race. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then it started coming up and it started getting like word spreading. And I was like, you know what? I have to do this. And I have the text message screenshotted still. And I sent a text to Roland and I said, Hey, if you're doing this bagger race and I'm not riding the bike, I don't think we're going to be friends anymore. <laughs> and I jokingly meant it, but I was also halfway serious. All right. Yeah. And we were, we were in the middle of that. And, and, and then my brother passed away and that was, that was July, 2020 and my brother passed away. So that was like everything, like nothing mattered. Nothing mattered. In the right.
0: That must've been difficult, you know?
2: It was tough. It was the toughest, t- toughest time of my life and my poor family. And, but luckily I had gotten that job up North and we were in COVID and we were all stuck in the house and I was at my parents' house. And so it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I spent the last six months of my brother's life in stuck in the house in the room right next to his. So right. um, I got all that time with him, which was really cool. Um, so I'm going through all that and it's just, my life's a mess and I'm depressed and just sad and, 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 um, you know, I kind of had, I, there was nothing that could have made it better. There was nothing that could have put a smile on my face or, or there at the time, there was nothing that could have, that was getting me out of that. You know, I was just sad and, and just, you know, in, in this dark hole and, and, and I get a call one day I'm driving and I go back to work and all this stuff. And, and I get a call, I'm driving home one day from work and it's, it's Roland and Cameron Brewer. They're on the, but they're both on the line and like, what's up guys. Like, you know, what's going on? And they're like, all right, well, we're doing this bagger thing. And I was like, okay, cool. You know what? They're like, We want you to ride the bike. Uh-huh. And I like, that was the first thing that I was like, I got excited about. Like since my brother passed away, I was, that was the first thing that I was like, oh, I, I was like, ha- it made me happy. I was like, whoa, like, oh, yeah, yeah, heck yeah. Like, I want to do it, yeah. And so they they build this bike and, you know, Indians involved and Gary Gray and all this stuff. And and uh, at first I thought it was a fun thing, but it got serious really quick. And s and was building these parts and these front ends and these triple clamps and gas tanks and swing arms and all this body work. And it, it got serious in a hurry. And uh, we tested one day at Buttonwillow and, you know, I I didn't know what to expect. And by like lap two, I was dragging my knee and I was like, oh, I think this is going to work. Like This is going to be better. This is going to be better than I thought. But we all went into it not knowing what was going to happen. You know, we didn't know. We knew what we were bringing and we knew what S&S was bringing, but we didn't know what everyone else was going to have. You know, we were the only two Indians and the rest was Harley's. And we kind of showed up, aside from Vance and Hines um, building their Harley, uh, between the two, Roland and SNS, and and then Vance and Hines, our bikes were so good. They were so much further ahead of
0: everyone else that
2: it was, we knew it was going to be us three.
0: You got a couple of podiums pretty quick, didn't you? I seem to remember. Yeah. Yeah. So that first race,
2: I mean, we went out, we went out and practiced and still like first practice
0: and it was COVID year. So there's no
2: fans. There's nobody there. Oh. Everyone's wearing masks. Um, it's in, it was in October, I think at Laguna Seca that year, it was late in the year. Right. And I mean, I showed up, I didn't make riders meeting because I was at work and I showed up <laughs> late to riders meeting in my coveralls, you know, cause I was, you know, I was a mechanic at a power plant. So I showed up late to the riders meeting and they briefed me and everything's all good. And show up the next morning, and like we still don't know who's going to be fast, what bike's going to be good. I'm like Ben Boshram's there, Corey West is there, right. uh, Travis Wyman's in it. Um, there were big names: Michael Barnes, Josh Aaron. Like, yeah, they were big names in that first race. And I'm like, I couldn't tell you the last time I I road raced, and and <laughs> I, mean, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I guess we're going to find out. We're at my home track. I like, I have that, you know, in, in my back pocket, and. We go out and practice, and you know, I'm just just—I'm really feeling the thing out because we only had the one day on it, and it was like a test day, and we didn't have all the parts. So, yeah, I go out and practice and come back and know nothing, and they're like, dude, you were second. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, dude, you're good. Everyone's all fired up, and it was just like kind of like that Moto Beach thing. Like the dynamic suddenly changed.
0: Suddenly, it's so serious.
2: Yeah, it went from a marketing project to a – no, we gotta win this thing. <laughs> so, you know, then and then the Dunlops over, and you know the suspension techs are over, and it, like it got then it more serious again.
0: So I'm like, okay, here here we go, and we do, you know, things have changed a bit in the in the last couple of years, haven't they? Now it's now yeah it's real class. It's now it's really going somewhere. So I rode I rode for Indian for
2: through uh, 2022, and then. uh you know, the class got a little bit more competitive and Indian didn't really see my value anymore. Um, and and I just wasn't getting the love and, and, the you know, what I thought I should be getting um, from them anymore and, and on the racing side. And it got tough. And I, I, I was like, this isn't going to work. Like, this doesn't work anymore. and I was, like, ready to be – I was ready to kind of be done because I was like, I'm not getting the things I need. I'm kind of just here. And I'm here and I'm going around the track and and I just didn't have the support and it it got tough and just tomorrow demoralized. Yeah. So the last round of of twenty twenty two, I blew up two engines. I had no more engines. Indian wouldn't give me an engine. And I it was like the writing on the wall for me. And I've just said, you know what? This if they they have an they have engines. They're not giving me an engine. Like I kind of see my place here now. And I right then and there at New Jersey, I mean, it was, I I texted the Harley guys and I, 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 just, I just asked them I'm like, Hey, can we have a meeting? And we set up a meeting. Like they were like, yep. Meet us at the truck at 12. And I went down to the, to the, uh, the Harley, the Harley trucks of the Vance and I and Scream and Eagle trucks. And, and, you know, Terry Vance cleared out his, his, you know the front of his truck, the lounge area, and I went in there with a couple of the Harley guys and had a meeting for you know a couple hours, and kind of gave them the spiel and what I was looking for and what I wanted to do. And I had been a part of this bagger racing since the very beginning, and yeah. I didn't want to leave. And I I wanted to
0: continue and ride it out through the end. And but you want something competitive. A, g- a guy like you is not going to be happy just riding around in circles
2: yeah so that was that's what i wanted i wanted to be back in the mix and i knew i could do it if i had the right stuff and so sure. so um you know they're happy they and they they see with me and it's always been this way like i was never i was never the guy to go to the races just to be the first place guy that's never been me like i try to market myself really well i try to do fun stuff i try to do other things uh build bikes and you know partner have partnerships that are that are fun and cool and yeah and i'm always trying to do different stuff to to market myself and so and, and harley saw a lot of value in that you know uh For sure. they knew that you know i go to i as as a bagger racer you know it turned into this super serious thing where it was just a bunch of road racers racing baggers it wasn't there was no bagger about it anymore it was there was no that v-twin biker lifestyle anymore it was just road racers were racing baggers and i always tried to keep that that kind of you know i always said bagger shit you know so you know going to the races having a beer with dinner and you know all that stuff and i always i always try to keep keep bagger racing bagger and v twin and i was going to i go to sturgis every year and go to a bunch of bike shows and i built a bike last year and i'm building a bike again this year and so you know, I was do that you know I was wanted to keep it biker and and Harley really saw the value in that and so that's where it clicked and um so yeah, it was a long off season, and it was it was a long shot of like how do we make this happen because you know obviously Harley already had their team, but they wanted to put me on a bike, and there needed to be some puzzle pieces put together, and I Went to a couple people, a couple different brands and companies, and was trying to put something together. And then I finally, I finally was like, you know what? That Saddleman Crew, they have a good, they have a good situation over there. And I knew, I knew them, but not very well, because we worked with them when I was doing RSD stuff. And uh, but my buddy Heath Pinter worked there. He got hired as a fabricator and worked really close to the race team guys. So I threw the idea at him and he goes, you know what, I think you should talk to Dave, Dave, Dave Eckert about it. And so I I brought it up to Dave Eckert and he was like it's like, you know, he his eyes brightened up and he just went, you could see him, you know, he, he was into this. And and uh, you know, this was probably like November of last year. And I brought Harley in to have a meeting, and they we all kind of went back and forth and what everyone could provide and do and you know come january they had sorted it all out and we got bikes but we just got stock bikes and we still had to build them and daytona's in march and we're mid-january and um we're mid-january and and you know we have no 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 semi-truck no (laughs) bikes no parts and they that team busted ass and worked i mean i swear they were working 15 hour days for i don't know a month and a half straight to buy a semi wrap a semi build out a semi build these bikes i mean it was incredible it was i didn't i was looking at the situation going there's no way we're not gonna race daytona this is crazy and they pulled it off they built yeah you know four baggers two pan americas semi truck we have you know we got all the team sponsors dialed in and we made it i mean the first time i rode my race bike was on the banks at daytona but <laughs> we made it there. we did it uh so that was cool i mean it was cool to see that and i was so at this point i was so just like i didn't know in the, this off season i thought it was done like i thought i was like you know what there's no way this is you know this is a, there's a lot to be put together and like this is absolutely impossible yeah and but i had this grit that like did you really want to go do you really want to go back to work or <laughs> you know we gotta figure this out and <laughs> we we put it together and the right puzzle pieces and the right the right people and yeah. you know Saddleman and like those
0: guys are just dave eckert is an absolute machine yeah, they are really professional. I mean, just seeing you in the paddock at Brainerd, what a professional outfit! I mean, it really impressive. And saddlemen make a lot more than just seats. I mean, they a lot they, more than they seats. do a lot lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they have a full. So our race shop
2: is based out of the saddleman R&D building, which is separate from where the seats are are made and shipped and all that. It's just down the road, maybe ten minutes in Long Beach. It's in the old West Coast Choppers building, so it's in Jesse's old building. Um, which is really nostalgic, but they make uh a lot of so all of our carbon fiber on our bikes is made there. Um, a lot of stuff is fabricated there. Um, they make carbon fiber for a lot of other companies. Um, I mean it's a
0: full blown, nonstop, R and D shop there, and they 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 pump out a lot of parts. Do you think they are really getting something out of the bag of racing? I mean, is there is this a sustainable business for them, or is this Do you think it's a a money pit?
2: Yeah, I I think, I think, I mean, bagger racing is it it is, it's it it was the, it's the fastest growing two-wheel racing that I think we've seen since AMA Supermoto. Yeah, Um, I would agree. But I think, but it's even, it's even bigger than AMA Supermoto was because back then we didn't have Instagram and all those things for the world to see it right
0: now. And that's what's diff- that i think that's what makes the difference well not, not not to mention that you know whatever it is you know three quarters of the motorcycle population in america ride you know america harley wins harley's and, and, yes. and indians at some level but you know it, yes it's you know without taking anything away from Superbike and super sport racing which of course we all love that's really i mean this is tapping into a huge market it's bringing in so many new new people into racing these are you guys are racing bikes that these guys are riding around on every day. Yeah, exactly. And
2: I, and I and I fully like the whole. After COVID, we were in a bad place as an industry, and like there was there were there were it just got weird. You know, things got weird, and it was different. And
0: well, and that to
2: everybody. Yeah, COVID. COVID did that. So what what Bagger Racing did was take the V twin and Harley Indian scene and, and mix it in with the sport bike scene. And, and both of these communities came together and created one big, just motorcycling and motorcycle racing community. And I think that's, that was the ticket. And, you know, I mean, I I've been, like I said, I've been involved in this since the very first bagger race. And I knew what that first race alone did. I mean, overnight, the race had a million views on YouTube and, you know, people in Europe were looking or were watching it and posting about it. And, and it blew some people's minds. And right then and there, that first race, I I knew I was like, something big's going to happen. This is going to change everything. And, And I mean, immediately, a lot of us, a lot of people knew, but me as a rider and getting on the podium that first race, the amount of attention I received from that,
0: I, I was like, something's going to happen. And I just I made sure that I stayed a part of it. I got to ask you, how, how has the bike sort of changed since that first race? Because now they're getting really sophisticated racing machines. I mean, these yeah, uh, you know, really changed, I think. The development
2: on the bikes from the first race to now, I mean, I swear when you think the bikes are tapped out, there's nothing else we can do to it. The things changed the next round. I mean, they are just it it and for a long time it was big, like big changes. you know we were getting like at the beginning it was like motors and chassis stuff and shocks and swing arms and forks and you know triple clamps that were you know offset and they, it was it was wild, and then they everyone kind of started figuring out what works. But then, then it started turning into a lot of little things and the little things are still massive. And, you know, now we're riding bikes that are, you know, they have billet swing arms, um, super bike forks on them, super bike brakes on them. Uh, you know, we're doing 180 something miles an hour around Daytona carbon fiber bodywork, uh, you know insane stuff like super bike stuff you know and and on on touring bikes yeah so yeah it's gotten
0: it's you know it's gotten crazy it's it's the technology what what's the weakest part of the bike what's the hardest thing to manage when you're racing at that speed i mean isn't the frame just trying to twist itself into knots or is it just ah, weight I I, mean, I, I, I I i've never ridden any of those in anger i've ridden plenty of harleys and actually I love. <laughs> but man I, I i can't get my head around it how on earth are you ha- handling that thing what does it feel like at the beginning it was it was awkward it was <laughs> the seating positions
2: were weird and like nobody nobody figured it out yet there was the we were the first ones to do it so like at the beginning it was like the foot pegs really high and the bars are really far away and the rider seating is really far back and the seats you know the seats all already high and like you just didn't know we're like you know you know what you you knew what you thought you needed but you didn't know if it was going to work but it's about ground clearance isn't it how the heck
0: did you i mean oh my god
2: well ground clearance versus you know okay we can get the ground clearance but now i can't touch the ground and you know now (laughs) i'm now i'm just riding a skyscraper around the track and so it was things like that it was like well what what happens if if we're that high off the ground like what you know we we're not scraping the the bike anymore but now i can't i need somebody to hold me up if i'm not riding it and you know so it was just things like that and like so then it was like you know well now we're using these forks but they're now the forks are bottoming out and you know and now you know now the balance of the bike is off and it was just always it was just guessing at first cuz you didn't know, it wasn't like a sport bike where you go oh it's doing this we'll do this to it and that'll fix it you know it seemed like everything you thought you knew with a sport bike and you go oh well on a sport bike we'd do this and then you do that to the bagger and it'd go backwards. <laughs> oh man. It was like throwing everything you knew out the window and relearning these things. And a lot of people don't understand that. And you know being a part of it for so long and understanding like understanding what really makes these bikes work and the little tricks that are the opposites of what you would normally do is something that like I feel like where I bring a lot of value to bagger racing. Is this? I've I've done it for so long, and I've been involved with it since the very early, you know, uh, uh, bottom of developing these things from the very get go.
0: So, so you got a lot of knowledge on on how it works.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just the time. You know, I mean, anybody that would have spent that much time around them would would know. But do you have to change your riding style a lot compared to a super sport bike? The riding style is i mean you ride it like a road racer you ride them just like road racers things happen a lot slower i was just actually with bobby fong yesterday and we were we were a couple people were asking us questions we were at an event yesterday and guys were asking us questions and and we were talking about how you know bobby's now back riding uh, a super bike again and and i was asking him like dude how how weird is it going from the back back to like a sport bike and cause I've done it. And, and I'm like, how crazy is it? And he's all, he goes, you know what? He goes, I was scared because the baggers things happen so slowly on, them. you can get on the throttle and just crack the thing wide open and feel completely safe because they're so long and the torque puts the power to the ground. I mean, you just come out of the corner and you just like, you like shoot for wherever you're aiming for. And you just twist that thing as far, you know, you stretch the cables off throttle cables off that thing and you're good it's all good but you do that on a sport bike you know a, a super bike and it's things aren't going to work out so well
0: yeah oh yeah yeah suddenly you're no longer on the bike yeah yeah for sure so well we yeah. all saw we all saw Jeremy McWilliams save at Brainerd wow it's insane if he would have done that on a sport bike he would have been he would have been he would have flew through the
2: air and high-sided he and, been launched. Yeah. yeah but those baggers are so stable they're they're so stable because they're so long and heavy they move slowly so that's that's i think is that's one thing i like about them is like they're they're very forgiving they're really forgiving and, and a lot of people don't understand like they're like you guys are nuts and i'm like it is pretty crazy Like racing a bag of the race they weigh 620 620 pounds and they're massive and you know
0: but there's a little for me just watching it there's a certain amount of nerves i have to i'm looking at you guys wrestling these monsters around. I'm like, holy mackerel. I mean they uh they do things well. I mean, they got all the good stuff on them. They
2: got good suspension, you know, where we've got super bike front ends on these things. We got, you know, at this point, they've figured them out. They've figured these things out to where I mean they're they're V twin touring superbikes. Um, you know, Harley and, and Indian uh have both put a lot into uh creating bikes that i mean they're 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 com- competing against each other and they've just they've elevated each other uh you know back and forth for you know three years now and you know it's gotten to this point where you know we ride They're they are there's just as much into these as there is in, in a super bike they're they're on the same level of
0: technology as, as a super bike if not more Right. You're one of the few guys that's ridden both brands. Is there a big difference? I know it was a couple of years ago, but is there a big difference between the Indian and the Harley? Massive, massive difference.
2: The, uh, oh, really? yeah, they're, they're two totally different bikes. Um, Ooh, okay. I think the biggest thing for me, right, switching brands was the chassis. Uh, okay. the chassis on the Harley is because it's, it's a cradled engine and there's, it's a steel frame, and the way that these bikes have been sorted out is, you know, there's, like I said, they're long, they're tall, and I think the steel frame, and having it, the frame, like the, on the Indian, the, the engine is the frame, that's part of the frame, you know, and, and on the Harley, it's a full frame, so, the rigidity from the front end of the motorcycle to the back of the motorcycle is, is extremely consistent. So the bike flexes on the Harley, on the Harley. Harley. So the bike flexes very consistently. And, And, and I can't say the same thing about the Indian. And that was the biggest struggle with that was it was, it was, it was a handful to ride. The Harley is like, it is when you're riding that thing feels like a proper road racer. I mean, it feels like you're riding a Moto 2 bike. The thing's just—it's rigid, it's—it's it's stiff. It holds itself. It's not—and you would think like steel frame and all this stuff it flex, And no, it's—they've got those things figured out. I mean, we got billet swing arms on them. We got billet triple clamps with Superbike FGR forks on them. Um, wow. I mean, they're—they're—they're they're, they're proper, and that they're—they're they're so consistent. I mean, you throw one of those things in the corner, they have so much front end grip on entry and then you get on the throttle and it's all the grip you could ever imagine in the rear and it's it's it's, and it's consistent every corner every track it's they're so fun to ride i mean i cannot get enough of them i cannot get enough of it but it's still to this day as much as i've ridden them it blows my mind it absolutely blows my mind because you look at it and it's like your brain's just fighting itself going how you You know how that bike works, and it works extremely well, but then you look at it and you're like, it doesn't make sense still. It still doesn't make <laughs> sense, but I know so um but it's 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 been so cool. like seeing the development, seeing everything go into this being being a part of it from the beginning and from ground zero to now, yeah, and seeing every little bit of development on these things has been really cool. It's been really interesting. like I'm a really mechanical guy and and I enjoy that the development side of it the evolution of it it's been really fun to be a part of that and have input in all of it and and see all
0: this stuff happen so and the racing has got real close i mean you guys are fighting like the third monkey trying to get onto noah's ark yeah <laughs> it's been wild i mean even we saw a brainer like off the start like body pieces of body works
2: falling off because dudes are hitting each other and you know it's <laughs> it's gotten really serious i mean obviously the time are quick enough to qualify for a race it's like a game of rollable watching you guys oh it's yeah but like yeah. i said i mean i think the, the really cool part about all and i say it every time is like if you look at all the names in bagger racing you know kyle and travis wyman james Respoli, hayden gillum Corey west jake lewis myself tyler o'hara these are real riders we all grew up as dirt trackers we all grew up with each other we're all about we're all in our 30s um and and all of this has kind of been you know like i mentioned earlier with the economy and we all kind of got hosed through that kind of era of not having support and all the money was gone and you know the the bostrom you know um you know Aaron yates and and the haydens and that whole era we were after all that and and yeah and there was no money left so we kind of all got hosed but like now it's it's been like this big blessing in disguise like hey guys we missed that when we were kids but look at us now in our 30s like we got bagger racing look what we're doing this is awesome so but but we all have this mutual respect for one another like we're we all know that we're in our 30s and and some
0: 40s and if you're jeremy almost 60 He's almost the same age as I am. I'm not can't believe it.
2: Yeah, and and we all have this this mutual respect, and, and we can see it even when you know there's animosity and between you know riders and and manufacturers, as we all know that we're we're older now, and everyone rides you know hard, but with respect, and we all have that for each other, and I think that's the coolest part is we know our limits. No one's You know, no one's doing anything stupid. Nobody's scary to ride with. Nobody's, you know, there's no sketchy guys. Like, we all have that mutual respect, which is.
0: i got to say, it does not look like that from the outside. Watching it on the TV, it looks like all hell's broken. I think that's what makes it be able to be like that. Because we're not afraid.
2: We're not afraid to rub and get close to each other. And, you know, because we know, you know, no one's going to do anything dumb. Like, we know we all want to go home at the end of the day so I think that's what
0: makes it uh, you know allows for that so that's one of the coolest parts is it a lot more physical riding a 620 pound bike compared to a 350 pound bike it yeah I mean it it is in
2: in some ways in some ways it's not um because I mean you feel it like going through chicanes when you're flicking the bike back and forth you you feel it I mean you're you're wrestling this thing and and um but like I said, those, those bikes are so, they're so stable that you're, you're kind of, you ride them a little bit more relaxed because they're so much grip. They're consistent. Um, You know, they're, they're not doing anything funny. They're not trying to jump out of your hands. They do everything. It's it's kind of like, uh, uh, it's like, I always think it's like, it's like a ballerina. Like they do everything just so smooth and flowy and it's, it, it makes that aspect it makes it easy to ride, but when you're wrestling the thing through a chicane or you know picking it up from a right hand into a left hand corner, you feel the weight. I mean they're big bikes, they're massive bikes. Um, but I think physically i I don't think they make much of a difference from you know if I had to do if I had to do 10 laps on a on a sport bike and, and 10 laps on a bagger. I don't think I'd feel a difference. Interesting, interesting.
0: One of your teammates is is a good friend to to us and to this podcast, Patricia, Patricia Fernandez. What an absolute, <laughs> just awesome, just as great to see this. And she's not even that big. I mean, she's you know she's strong, very powerful feisty. lady, but she's, she's out there racing <laughs> faster than shit. Yeah, and she's out just racing this thing. I'm like this is cool patricia is like she's a badass road racer like
2: take away yeah, oh the yeah. fact that she's a woman she's a badass road racer in, in just in general i mean she she runs with the boys she's done it for years um, oh yeah, yeah and
0: yeah she's awesome
2: yeah so you know everyone everyone's like oh you know the, what, you're a girl like how do you do this and i'm like she's got bigger balls than i do she's badass
0: like you know uh um, oh yeah yeah she's done and she does a lot of the real roads you know the yeah you she know, does the real real races stuff, the, the manx you know that kind of stuff yes, yeah to the northwest highly skilled highly skilled very fast like she's little she's she's short yeah yeah that's what i was getting at i mean she's not she doesn't have the physical strength of you know some of the guys i would have thought she's a strong woman like she's she's
2: fit patricia's really fit she's very strong she's just She's just a tiny little thing, you know. Um, She can't, she can barely reach the ground on these things. Her seat height on her bike is so much lower than mine, uh, so so much lower than the rest of the team's bikes. But once she gets going, she's just a weapon, you know.
0: She's riding home on that thing. So. that's great. So where, where do you see bagger racing going? I mean, I know it's going to Europe now next year. Yeah. Which is a big deal. That's BSB has picked up the series.
2: Yeah. So I believe from what I understand that uh, BSB is going to have their own Moto America King of the Baggers class. So there will be a European se- series uh, with that or, or a British series with that. and and. But I don't know. Like, that's all I really know. Um, there hasn't been too much you know information about that yet but i do know it's the popularity over there is huge and i see it and you know i got a lot of people from over there that follow me on social media and that i chat with and they're really into it and and uh so the popularity over there with bag racing is huge um yeah and the harley davidson market over there is, is booming so uh it's it's that whole that whole performance V twin thing is, is blowing up just as big there as it has here. Uh, it's made its way over there. So those guys are building bikes and now bagger racing is becoming a thing. There's guys that have built bikes over there and then are doing track days on their road glides. And, you know, obviously they don't have the resources and parts and the knowledge that we do over here, but it's now going to make its way that way, which is really cool. So yeah, that's been really cool to see, obviously being a road racer, being a road racer my whole life, And obviously what I told you earlier of where I got my love for road racing was watching some, you know, European road race on TV. I mean, so it's cool that something that I've been a part of and watched, uh, grow and, and kind of the evolution of bagger racing to see it go overseas is really cool. Um, you know, and I think that it absolutely belongs there. And this is something that the world needs to see and, you know, something that everybody can enjoy, but, um aside from that there was some guys um obviously harley road racing started a very long time ago um you know we had the 883 series back in the day and then just you know not too long ago we had the xr 1200 series so harley road racing has been a thing but as of the you know the last you know six seven or so years um there were guys actually that's where kind of this Thing i felt like started to take off again there were guys taking their dinas to the road race track and going to chuck Walla and and doing all this stuff and then that got a little bit more serious and then there's a couple guys showing up and racing in the twins class on their dinas just because it was fun and it was they're harley guys and they're you know they wanted to experience road racing and that's the bike that they had and so i i do feel like that's kind of where this all kind of sprouted bagger racing sprouted up from um but then there's the super hooligan class rsd super hooligan class yeah that's another great class yeah which is where kind of those bikes like when we did the first super hooligan road race at laguna seca in 2021 i believe it was um there were a, a big group of dinas and you know street bobs and soft tails and you know these style of club style looking bikes that dudes were putting 17 inch wheels and brakes and swing arms. And I mean, on these bikes, but then you get the other bikes, the FTRs, the um, hyper motards and you know, that were just, those bikes are road race bikes. They're, 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 they're just, they just, they were, they were more of a race style motorcycle that was just kind of separated all that. But that's how that, that's where like those kind of bikes fit in. And there's still dudes that race dinas and, you know, the Quade Harley Davidson team, they have, they have got a group of like, there's like seven or eight of them that are racing. They got like one guy's got a diner. There's a couple soft tails. Um, F, you know, one guy rides an FXR and, you know, it's those guys are really keeping like the core of this alive, which is cool to see because that's where it started. And at the end of the day, I, and I'll say it again and again and again, and it's like, if we don't have somebody keeping this V-twin, it's going to die. We have to keep this V-twin. We have to keep this, you know, biker a little bit in some sense, because those are the people that we need to be involved in this and supporting this and, you know, being fans of this. And if we just turn this into road racing, then it's just going to be another road race class. It's going to be, a you know, you might as well just super bikes. So, um, and that's my whole thing is like, I want to keep this going as long as possible. I don't ever want to see bagger racing go away because it's been, you know, it's been such a blessing to me, not only in a sense of, I have a, a job, but it's what got me through, you know, um, my brother passing away and it's, it's, there's a lot of sentimental value in it to me and, and something that's near and dear to me. And, and I, I wanted, I wanted to be around for a long time and like I said it's been so cool to us here in America it's going overseas now I want to see everyone over there enjoy it and I want to see it grow the you know V Twin community over there and so yeah it's it's been but we have to keep it we have to keep it core to an extent you know so I agree it, it's it's I do my part of you know doing what I can to, to keep it that way. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm very involved in the V twin and uh community and, and, you know, I go to a lot of bike shows every year and a lot of rallies and I do all that stuff. But I, at the same time, as much as I want to see that and keep that growing road racing is my love and passion and I want them to grow together and I want to see Moto America grow the Moto America guys and that whole team on um, Wayne and Richard and Chuck have all just been incredible to me. And what they've done for road racing in the United States and bringing it back has just been an absolute blessing to all of us because there were times there that we didn't know what was gonna happen with it. And those guys put
0: it together and figured it out and they've marketed it so well. was well, great. I mean, I really enjoy seeing you in the paddock, Frankie. Your, your, your infectious smile, your infectious attitude you're a real credit to the class and I, I long may it continue. Yeah. It's been great talking to you, man. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, you too, man. Always, always a
2: pleasure. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you and I, after all these years are, you know, we're still getting to do this and still getting to talk about stuff and have fun together. So it's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Yeah. Keep the throttle pin, Frankie.
2: I'm doing my best.
0: All right. Okay. Good talking to you. Thanks. All right. See ya.